Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. I said it last week, if Sonia can get me to run a sub 20 minute 5k, it will be the greatest achievement in her glittering career. I was, of course, a joke, but after running a 24 minute park run on Saturday, I started to think to myself, maybe I wasn't that far off. You're very welcome to another episode of An Irishman Running Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan, and my co-host, Irish athletics icon, Sonia O'Sullivan. Well, we are two weeks we're on week two of the eight week breaking 20 challenge and you can take part in it too by joining us uh, virtually on strava or in person at lee valley velo park in london on february 26th for the real life event where i am going to give this a crack on the track running a sub 20 minute 5k there is seven weeks to go thanks be to god says me so sonia today you said we should get into a little bit more of the technical stuff on how to get faster and hit your target time, whatever that might be. And we also have questions in the mailbag. We've got a tip of the week and our weekly trip around the parishes to see the standout efforts from you guys around and about the place over the weekend, including a lad named Alexander in Israel, who became the first man to break 11 hours for 100 miles, which is massively impressive, Sonia. But is it as impressive as running the St. Albans Park run in the mud? I don't know. It's not for me to say. But here's the killer, Sonia. This lad did this at a 404 kilometre pace. I Like, I mean, do your eyebrows raise when you see something like that? Or are you just like, no, this guy's got history. He's he's a super ultra runner. You know, that's pretty impressive. Like sometimes when you see these ultra runners, you do go and look at the breakdown of the time for them to, um, you know, they do per kilometer or per mile. And um, yeah, it can be, you just think how, how much of that you can do yourself. Yeah. And that's like, you know, that's your interval training that you're getting to this week. <laughs> Oh, 404 per kilometre. It was absolutely heartbreaking. I was like, are you kidding me? He ran for 11 hours. I'm struggling to cover four kilometres at that pace. You're back at the Nike training camp in uh, San Luis Obispo for a break from the winter weather of Oregon. I'm very envious, to be honest. Training in the winter, especially for speed, is hard. Is that why you guys head to the warmer spots? Oh, 100%, yeah. And we're, we now have a name, actually. We're the team now. We're Union Athletic Club. Yes. It's our new new branded name. And all the athletes are sponsored by Nike. It's this Nike-supported team. And, yeah, we're in San Luis Obispo in California. It's halfway between, or about halfway between Los Angeles and San Francisco along the coast. I arrived last Wednesday night in the dark and I actually landed into LA, came through like everything very smoothly. Um, they've kind of stopped a lot of this kind of customs checks and mm. different things. As long as you have your paperwork and your, you know, <laughs> valid <laughs> visa entries into the US then you're all good to go. 
Yeah. But they don't, they're not checking, you know, like how much food or whatever else that you're bringing anymore. You used to have to fill in all these forms. And if you made, you know, one mistake, you had to tear it up and start all over again. And there's none of that anymore now. Um, I mean, sometimes you forget about all the things that you fill in online, you know, to, to go on flight. Yeah, sure. The places. pre-work. Yeah. Yeah. Because once you've done it, then you just put it behind you. And I suppose once you do it properly, then you never see it again. So it was pretty smooth to get through, but then it was dark and I had to rent a car and drive on, you know, roads I'd never been before, which is always a little daunting. And the, the roads are like dark country Irish roads here at times. Yeah. Um, no, no, no streetlights. Um, so I got to see nothing, even though I was driving along the coast, I'm sure, at times. <laughs> and, you know, I arrived, oh, well before midnight, so I wasn't late or anything. It's just one of those places, a bit like Queensland in Australia, at kind of six o'clock in the evening. It's like someone turns the lights off. Mm, and, it's a um, sudden darkness, yeah. Yeah, so when, you know, it's, it's warm and it's sunny in the daytime when you have the full sun. But it's not summer, you know, it's winter in California. So it is, you know, dark pretty quick in the day. So you've got to squeeze everything in to a short amount of time <laughs> each day. Yeah, um, but but it's it's I, but you know the brightness, the brightness and the blue skies. That's you know such a, a huge positive for the athletes because that is one of the most difficult things I find. You know when I'm in Ireland, um, and then I realise this year in Portland it's so grey up there. I've got a new level of kind of measuring. You know what a day is like. It's the greyness of the day. <laughs> yeah, the grey level. We did that. A grey scale is is a good thing they need to add to the weather. Like I love the feels like. Like they'll have the temperature and then they'll have the feels like over here. And the feels like is really what I look at. I never look at the other temperature because that's irrelevant if the wind chill is bad. But the grey scale is a great idea. Yeah, the grey scale is a good one. And the wind chill is good too. We actually get that here as well, because even though it's quite sunny out there most days, when you're at the track and kind of big open space, you can get a bit of wind through there. And, you know, it's not all shorts and singlets at the moment. You mm. still need to have the layers to wrap up and, you know, to be prepared, you know, to for any change in weather, because the wind can be a bit tough at times. But, you know, it's you can't complain when you do have the you know, relatively nice weather and beside the beach here at Villa Beach is where I'm staying and um, it's gorgeous. I was down there yesterday for a walk in the sea because um, I still have this little bit of a hamstring thing I'm kind of nursing at the moment. And yeah, taking well, care of. a few people wondering how that is going for you. How is the hamstring this week? Um, well, I managed to get in a, a decent run yesterday. Um, I've been very good. Uh, which is good for me. <laughs> Sometimes I'm a bit crazy, but I'm being very cautious mm. and taking it easy. And um, I did a 12-kilometer run yesterday um, on some very flat, soft surface. And it's nice when you go to investigate a new trail, you're kind of open to kind of going, I suppose, doing as much as you can. And But I did take the opportunity to walk every now and then um, and reset myself. But I was really being very careful about how my foot was landing so I was really thinking about running and just putting my feet underneath myself I think rather than pushing off my toes um, which I, it's in some ways I think it's you know 
a bit along the lines of the chi running and what they say about that is you mm. think about how you're landing yeah and then you worry about the push off afterwards whereas most people are down there on their toes and you know pushing off before they even land so um, I'm taking it easy and and enjoying it you know really you know getting back into it again it's hard I went yesterday with no ambitions to a uh, few of the athletes were doing long runs. So I just went down to be there. And, you know, I was thinking they'll be out for an hour and a half. I might, I could be half an hour here for all I know. So to get in an hour was great. And, you know, exploring new trails is, is always good fun. Yeah. Shout out to everybody who's nursing an injury at the moment and uh, trying to come back and follow Sonia's example on that, too. Take it handy and take it real slow. I know I've learned the hard way. The, as you say, they're going a bit crazy when you feel the urge hit. Where I feel like loads of the listeners and members of our Strava running club scour the posts of people like Jordan who say to see, can we see you there at the track uh, coaching the guys and girls of Union uh, Club? But they only, the only remnant we could find of you was uh, Donovan Brazier holding a hurl in one of the pictures. <laughs> That's how we knew that you were there. You weren't in any of the photos, but the hurl showed up. Now, does Donovan get to hold the hurl because he did the best session that day? Is it is it like a talisman, a reward, or is it just your? Uh, is could the hurl eventually appear in the Union crest on the singlets of these runners? Because I think that would be unbelievably cool if that did happen. I think the best option would be to move it around and get it into a picture. But that was the least like set up you know, getting the hurley in the picture of anything. That was actually the first day I arrived back and that was my welcome back to the track. I had um, Jessica Hull actually drove from Portland down to San Luis Obispo. And so I had given her a few bits and pieces to bring down with me, including a hurley. <laughs> and um, so she had the hurley, but she didn't have the slitter. So <laughs> we had a hurley at the track and no slitter. <laughs> Which which was probably good because there was a lot of people at the track. <laughs> yeah. well, it would have I, been a bit I also thought it looked things. a little bit like the uh, the cricket bat that the manager in uh, Spinal Tap used to wield <laughs> to kind of get what he wanted in deals. I don't know if you use it to threaten the athletes, but uh, it just <laughs> it must be threatening to a lot of them. <laughs> this cork I, woman wandering around with a huge stick in her hand. <laughs> I don't think Pete is doing the same thing with a baseball bat. No, he's confused. He's wondering, what the hell? <laughs> Why do you need to bring this thing? But it's actually a good rest. You know, you can walk around with it and you can swing it around and then you can lean on it yeah. when, you're, when you're waiting. It's comforting. It's my favourite thing to do. But yeah. one of the other things actually that came with Jessica, and I was thinking about this this morning, it's really funny, is um, a kettle. So, you know, I've got a ke- I bought a kettle here last year when I first arrived. And this kettle now has come from Salt Lake City to Portland. And now it's in San Luis Obispo. But the funny thing is, wherever I go, I'm the only person in the house who uses the kettle. Like, can you think of the amount of times you boil a kettle oh a day? Oh, my God. It's the reason <laughs> it's our luxury. electricity bill is so high. <laughs> I, sometimes I boil the kettle with no plans <laughs> to do anything with it. Just need to have the water at a level that I should I want a cup of tea, it won't take that long. Do you do that? 
I do, if I'm cold, I boil the kettle and then I might go back and forget that I've boiled it. Then I'm going to boil it again. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. it, it, it's, a, it's definitely something I do. Speaking of comforting things, it is just something I do. Uh, we do need to do an episode on nutrition again, especially after the past week that I've had where I'm kind of realizing, ah, you have to go fast. You're going to need to think about intake a little bit more. And ideally, probably cut a couple of kilos will Im improve my time. And I'm mad keen to get in to talk about speed and speed work this week, because this was, as you said, the see where I'm at week. And I think a lot of our listeners tried this as well, just to see, get a general sense first week into the year of where things are. It included a basic track intervals session on the Tuesday, which was accompanied by Tina and Mikey at the track. Absolutely freezing cats and dogs that day. They they lasted 15 minutes of the track session and then headed back to the car with their good sense and sat in there and listened to the radio. Then there was some easy runs. And of course, there was the aforementioned park run in the pissons of rain uh, in St. Albans. When you say, see where I'm at week, what were you looking at this week? Like, what were you looking for? I suppose I, I wasn't sure, really. I mean, one of the things was I wanted to see how you would react to running a park run on Saturday. Mm. So it was up to you how that was going to go. And I was reading into the messages I was getting from you, you know, what I was going to tell you to do. Right. So that's why I pulled it back and said, OK, let's just go for a steady park run here just to see what happens. And it was really interesting to see that you could start off at 4.15 pace. And so now for if we do another test run, we'll see how long you can go with that 4.15 pace. Yeah. Um, whereas to go out at that pace and then to pull back and to set yourself into a steady, like, OK, cruise and cruise control. So you took off. And then you hit cruise control and you were in the four um, thirties, I think it was, mm. uh, to 440. So we know that you can do that, you know, pretty much all day. So the next time would be a bit of a better test. And then also uh, it was great to see how you attacked the very specific track session um, because I knew you could run a lot faster than I set. Um, and you just went out there and you did it at a fairly controlled pace, which was good. So you were listening to the instructions and I mean, you don't realize how much benefit you're getting there. Having Tina and Mikey come into the track, mm. like that's so, so much energy. You probably do realize it. I but do. I think maybe, yeah. maybe other people don't realize the benefit of, you know, having somebody come to the track with you is just so huge. Like they're giving up their time to be there because they want to support you and to help you out. And it's all kind of done in this kind of, there's no words said, but it's just the presence of mm. having somebody there. It's like when an athlete's at the track and the coach is there. If the coach isn't always there, then when the coach turns up, it just changes the whole energy about mm. the place. You feel all of a sudden there's a level of expectation, a level of performance that you would, this is something special. This is not something that happens every day. And uh, I'm going to give in a little bit extra effort today. A hundred percent. It's funny you say it because they obviously did last up until like I think I'd only two reps to go. 
when they eventually pulled the plug and I couldn't blame them. They were completely wrapped up and sitting on fold, folding chairs. But it was the spirit, like you say, it's that unquantifiable thing called spirit that they brought in shouting out the times. Uh, and also when you're coming around that final bend and you see Mikey with the thumbs up, <laughs> yeah, he, he, you know that that means you're about to hit the time on time that, uh, yeah, I got a, I got a massive amount out of it. Also, just that thing you said of controlling the pace was the thing you said to me over and over that we weren't going to run the track eyeballs out, which is probably what I'd done when I went down with the St. Albans Striders, my local club here. The temptation in that environment is it's a party. Everybody's going crazy. So run as fast as you can, which wasn't the point. And then when it came to Saturday, as you say, I think anybody who looked at the park run that I did on Strava would say, oh, you went too fast at the start and you tanked. But that really wasn't it. And your advice was try and sustain a 4.45 ish pace the whole way around. And it was only after running the first kilometre that I realised how fast I was going. Because here's the thing, and you, you already know about this, Sonia. Out of nowhere, speaking of spirit and support, Tina, my wife, produced this book, the Pete McGill book called Fast 5K, 25 Crucial Keys and Four Training Plans. Now, you are aware of this book and you had, you know, confirmed this is a good book. And I think Tina picked up on that. And being the supportive partner that she is, she produces it out of nowhere. There it is in front of me. And one of the key teachings in it, as far as I could tell, and one that I thought we should talk about here was about running for pace or running for effort. His words were ringing in my ear too on Saturday in that he said, your brain isn't mechanical, your brain, your brain isn't numerical. The best way to run your 5K is to think to yourself, effort in terms of effort. Would you go along with that, that people shouldn't be thinking in number terms, they should be thinking in effort terms more, more often than not? Oh, 100%. And especially in the winter time when, you know, there's other things affecting the time that you're running. Like there's the conditions is impacting so many people in the winter, whether it's the wind, the rain, the underfoot conditions, if it's slippery or snow at all, you know, everything changes. So then all of a sudden you have to adjust how you think. And I, I mean, I do this myself at the moment, you know, when you're not running at the pace that you know, you know, you don't have a set pace to run every day because you're uncertain, then you're just going out there looking for the purpose in the run. And the purpose in the run is always the effort mm. and how you feel afterwards. And I was, it's funny, I was even trying to explain this to Coco yesterday, who, you know, you think runners at very high level would get all this, but they still need to be told or what reminded. to do. And yeah. Reminded, yes. And that's why, you know, I suppose that's part of the reason why I am here is to, you know, you're not just there shouting out times in the watch, but you're actually observing the body language of the athletes and what they tell you, you know, when you're driving in the car, mm. you can often get more from that than, you know, standing at the track and, you know, trying to explain that, you know, if the, if it's a bit windy, if you're going out and back on a run and at some point you're running into the wind, you don't have to hit the pace that you've set in your head because you're working twice as hard to do that. Mm -hmm. 
So even though it feels easy with the wind, that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, give it everything to match that pace on the way back into the wind. You have to adjust your pace and think about the effort. It's like running up a hill. You can't run the same pace running up a hill as you do running around the track. So you adjust your pace. And as well as adjusting the pace, you have to adjust how you think about that in your head. Yeah. So it's all, it's all about the effort and how, how much work your heart and lungs are doing. You know, it's not all about, like the time is just one small measure of what you're doing. And in perfect conditions, you can hit those times. Uh, we were at the track last week and it was really windy. And, you know, you're trying to do a session, an ideal session, but you can't do an ideal session in windy conditions. You've got to adjust mm, the and time. You can't pretend it's and not happening. And you adjust what it means. So, you know, to be running a certain pace would give you an indication of what you might run in a race. Mm. But when the wind comes into play, you're running a little bit slower. So you don't have a true measure of what you might do in a race unless you know, okay, well, it's like feels like it's like the weather in the wind. You know, the effort feels like two seconds faster per lap, even though the watch is telling me it's two seconds slower. It's one of the most prized mental skills that runners can have. It's the ability to stick with your goal, even when things get difficult. Mental toughness is that skill that allows you to push forward and achieve more while experiencing a setback. So interesting. And it really did come into my head this week, what you're saying there, this uh, effort of January that like we've always said and you've always said from the start of this series that, you know, running is the metaphor for the wider existence of life. And January as an existence is very hard for some people. I mean, a, a, a lot of people will be going through what I've gone through in years gone by where I just don't deal well with this month. In some ways, having the Breaking 20 Challenge is heaven sent because I've learned that a purpose and direction is where happiness is found and that sometimes sadness or the blues is about lack of purpose and kind of floating, as you say, tipping along. We talked about it last week. Uh, so when I when I went back through and tried to think, well, how do we give this even more purpose rather than it just being well, can I break 20 before the eight weeks are up? I thought we we need to get a target race. Now, I had assumed that that would just be uh, St. Alden's Park Run. But you pulled me right away and were like, Jar, don't be crazy. <laughs> that run is uh, in a mud patch, which automatically, Sonia, immediately made me feel better about running a 24 minute park run over the weekend. I was like, oh, yeah. I went on to Strava and I was like, hey, you're able to run the little graph around and follow your pace. And you can actually see you nearly slow down to a standstill going around those corners where, <laughs> I mean, only Irish people and people living in this part of the world will understand exactly how muddy it is going around those little cones in the park run. It really <laughs> is not an ideal setting to go for your fast time. In some ways, all of the stuff that you're describing here about wind and rain and underfoot conditions should make you feel better about whatever times you were managing to put up right now in January. You, you and I both arrived on this 5K run at the Lee Valley Velo Park in London, and it's going to be 100% flat 
uh, a little loop road that they have there, Olympic kind of village kind of setting. I mean, am I right to think that way that, you know, these are all good things that good times that you're putting up and it's all towards that date and really pushing it in perfect conditions? Yeah, I mean, the the goal and the target we've set, it's a pretty high bar. Like it's it's definitely something difficult. So if you're chasing something difficult, then you have to get, you know, as near perfect conditions in place. And so the one thing that we can control is surface. So we can get off the mud and the grass, which, you know, we like to train and run around. But, you know, when it comes to really testing yourself, you're not going to be able to do what you might be capable of. If you're running on a surface like that, hmm. uh, it's like it's like running cross country where time is irrelevant and it's all about racing. So if we're going for time, we have to get off the park and go for a fast course. And I know if I was in in Melbourne, I'd know exactly which park one I'd be going for. You'd be going for the one that, you know, you hear all the talk of the fastest park run and people make a big deal and a big effort. It's like going to a race. Yeah. And I say, OK, I'm I'm going to the Marbonong River today or yeah, that's probably the fastest one in Melbourne, I think. It's it's on a footpath, it's flat, it's one lap. You know, sometimes when you have courses with a few laps, it can slow you down a bit because you've got to go past the finish line more than once. That's never a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> if, I mean, and then I'm saying this and, you know, when you run track races, you go past the finish line, you know, you can go as fast as many times as 24 times. But... That's you put it in perspective when you're in a situation like that. But in general, it's quite nice to do a run where you don't have to go past the finish line. It's like being out for a long run and you try and stay as far away from your car as you can or the house. Mm. You don't want to pass the front door because it might call you in. (laughs) Yeah, the kettle might be boiled. Uh, I hear you. We so much to get through here and so many things that uh, immediately sparked discussion items for me from the Pete McGill book, including a couple of you know confirmations of things that we've said in the past. I mean, chapter one of the book is uh, set a reasonable goal. And I fully understand that when people are listening to this, you know, sub 20 maybe isn't your 5k goal. Maybe it's sub 25. But all of the stuff that we're going to discuss here in the second half of the show over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad will apply whatever it is that you're trying to get faster at. All of this stuff will apply to you. Second chapter was slow down your distance runs, which is essentially the uh, the mantra of our whole series. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've lots to get into, including intensity and volume of training, injury prevention, hitting the hills. And maybe this is going to be the tip of the week. But chapter 12 was performing goal pace repetitions at the wrong time. I mean, I could feel the temptation to jump the gun and try and run as fast as you can at the pace that you will eventually be running this at. Sonia is going to explain to us exactly how risky that is. Before we get to the second half of the show, Sonia, we do need to go around the parishes because there have been a few unbelievable runs by our members over the weekend. Let's roll that music, Brian. Fergal Byrne, you pointed this out last week. Anyone who runs around Central Park in New York, it always stands out in the Strava feed. Well, Fergal Byrne and Harry Murnahan clocked up an impressive 27.5 kilometres around Central Park in two hours, six minutes. I mean, the two boys uh, need a shout out for that performance. 
there's the, the ridiculous stuff. I mean, Harry and Fergal, just my advice there, Sonia, would be cool it down, lads. You're making everybody look bad. <laughs> Who did you pick out? Um, I had um, my first one. I, I was running through the Stravas and I'm amazed at the amount of people who don't title their rims. Yeah. So if you want me to shout out, you need to have a name on your run. Yes. And um, so the, one of the first ones that stood out for me was Richard McCullough. And he's up there in Dunleary, wrapped down, uh, what do they call it, the municipal parish of it in <laughs> Ireland. He actually looks like he's on a bit of a comeback from injury. So he's in a run-walk rehab, and that, I suppose, related to me and what I'm doing at the moment. And he was he was out there for, his time was greater than his distance, but it, maybe he was aiming to stay out for an hour. A bit of running and walking, and hopefully he was feeling good after that, and uh, on the road to recovery. Man, Richie. And then I also had Bernie Murphy, who she was doing a CrossFit to the office. A CrossFit the on route. the way to the office. How do you do that? Yes, but I, I, I think it was maybe she was doing her run, using her run as training to I get see. to the office. Yeah. So she was going one way, and she was down there in Southwest England, somewhere near Cornwall. And um, I wonder going one way, was she, she had the wind behind her. She was heading for the sea. I hope she did. <laughs> 5.83 kilometers. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's great when you have purpose to your run. Like a destination run is always fantastic. And she was forced onto the road because it was a bit muddy, I think, on the, the golf course or trails that she normally runs to get to work. Very good. Cara Whelan in Edinburgh ran the... Alzheimer's Society Run for Dementia 2022. Shout out to Cara. And Jer Ford is the last one that I spotted, whose team finished second in the Dublin Masters cross country. Big shout out to Jer and his team. There'll be more around the parishes next week, unless you've got anyone else that stood out there, Sonia. Um, no, the only one I had was, uh, and she's been on here a few times before, but I, it made me laugh, is Eileen Gomez down there at the Rapids of Broadway. <laughs> I love <laughs> <laughs> I love, yeah, she was doing a, a detour to Misery Hill. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder, is that a positive thing in her run or is it like a, a, a sense of achievement when you get over Misery Hill? Well, we're going to talk hills, drills, injury prevention and the prospect of a tune-up race, whether you need to actually book in a kind of a dress rehearsal race four weeks from your goal race. We're going to discuss all of that. Lots more. We'll get Sonia's tip of the week. We'll even dip into the mailbag for some of your emails over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. As I said before, this is a crowdfunded podcast for us to continue to do the show weekly. We need your support. So why not treat yourself to the full masterclass with Sonia Sullivan over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. You can get access to every single episode episode we've recorded on all manner of subjects and of course the back catalogue of Irishman Abroad interviews dating back to 2013. We'll see you over there on Patreon for the second half of this chat. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. 